Good morning. So good to be back with you guys. I've missed being here. Been gone for a couple weeks, and it was great to get a little vacation. And awesome to be able to go officiate at uh, my good friend's wedding last weekend. And uh, we're closing out our sermon series on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But I want to start off with 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we've been traveling through different parts of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this summer. And St. Paul said, and we basically summarized it in these words, that everything minus love equals nothing. You can have everything in the world, you can have anything you want, but if you don't have love, Paul says, life is actually nothing and you are nothing. It's powerful, shocking words. But we also flipped it on the other side and we said, love is what matters, right? Love plus nothing equals everything. Love is the most excellent way. St. Paul said it, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 31. He says, I will show you the most excellent way. And he's talking about love. Love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. But we also talked about that there are two parts of that most excellent way of love, the nature of love, the way of love. And the first part is first and foremost that God loves us. And the second part is that we are called to love each other. And we didn't make that up. We got it from God and his word. First John chapter 4, verse 10 says this, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us, that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And the second part of it, verse 11 says, dear friends, since God so loved us, since God has loved us in this way, radically through his son, sacrificially, we also ought to, we are called to, we are created to, we get to love one another. And those two are intricately related. First, it starts with God loving us, and then we love each other. We had some homework assignments a few weeks back. We had to identify something positive about ourselves and thank God for that and his love for us. Identify positive things in those in our lives and tell them about it. Love them in that way. We talked about love being patient and kind. Love is relaxed. And when you're relaxed enough, you are be able to notice people in your life and live a life of kindness. My wife had a chance to remind me of that when we were on vacation this uh, couple weeks ago when I had a case of road rage. She said, relax. I said, oh, yeah, I preached on that, didn't I? Okay. <clears throat> now, I don't know if Pastor Mark, Pastor Trevor gave you any homework assignments the last couple weeks, but I know that they did walk you through parts of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and Pastor Trevor talked last week about being all in, all in when it comes to the most excellent way of love. But I thought that we would just kind of read a few more verses again from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, kind of refresh us and remind us of, of Paul's words. He says, I will show you the most excellent way. And he says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. But if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love 
never fails. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. That's what we've been talking about this whole summer, that love is the most excellent way. It's the greatest way. I was thinking about love a lot this past weekend, a week ago, especially last Saturday as I had the chance to officiate and be part of probably my oldest friend that I have, uh, be a part of his wedding and officiate at, and uh, it was such an awesome time. It was like a multi-day party, and it, it was filled with all that stuff that St. Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm not just talking about the wedding and the romantic parts of, of love and getting married. I'm talking about experiencing God and his love in his creation, in his people. And sort of the best parts of life. And we were in this beautiful uh, ranch venue. There was the sun was in the trees. There were warm sunshine and cool breezes. There was great music. There were new friendships being formed. There were old friendships being renewed. And a new community was being formed. A new family was being formed. A diverse group of people with diverse backgrounds were all coming together. In love, under God and his love and his creation. And I'm telling you, there were some powerful words spoken at the wedding, not just between the bride and the groom, but there were powerful words all around, powerful words of of strengthening and encouragement and comfort from everyone was present. In fact, every wedding guest at the wedding committed and they vowed to lovingly support the groom and the bride in their love for each other. Friends spoke words of strength. Encouragement and comfort to them. Family spoke words of strength, encouragement, and comfort. The mom of the groom got up and spoke and prayed. I think she might be here today. Dora, are you here? Yeah, she is. And uh, the dad of the bride got up and spoke. English was spoken. Spanish was spoken. Kikongo was spoken. There was laughter and dancing and life and love and joy. It was an awesome day. And in the midst of all of that, all those powerful words, there was one word that was spoken from the father of the bride. Before he prayed over the couple, he talked about God, talked about his word, and I'm going to share with you in a moment what he said, but it reminded me of our gospel reading, and it reminded me of this most excellent way of love in 1 Corinthians 13, and it reminded me what Paul said. Right after he wrote that whole chapter in 13, right in chapter 14, verse 1, he says this, he says, follow the way of of love. And in our gospel reading today in John chapter 21, we see that way of love lived out tangibly. You see, Peter, remember St. Peter in the Bible? Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. He had boldly claimed, he declared, he said to Jesus, I would never disown you, Jesus. In fact, in Matthew 26, he said, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I would never disown you, never deny you. Now, if you know the story of Peter, not long after he says those very words, Peter ends up denying Jesus, disowning Jesus, calling down curses upon himself, saying that he never knew the man. Three times he denied knowing Jesus. And then that rooster crowed, and he remembered. And he realized what he had done. Filled with shame and guilt, he he ran away and he wept bitterly at what he had done. Jesus was crucified, he died, 
He rose from the grave. The women went to the tomb. They found it empty, and the angels told them. I preached on this before. You may remember Mark chapter 16, verse 7. The angels are there talking to the women who went to the tomb to, to bury Jesus, but they find he's not there. They say, go tell his disciples in those two little words. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And that's where we begin to see the true way of love. Jesus had his angels, had his messengers make sure that Peter knew that no matter what he had done, even though he had denied Jesus, even though he went against his promise saying he would die with him, he wanted Peter to know that he was still loved. And so they went up to Galilee. Later, Peter saw Jesus. And long story short, they ended up having breakfast on the shore. They ate some fish and bread together. And John chapter 21 talks about this. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, a second time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, the third time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see, on that third time, Peter is reminded, although he declared that he would die with Jesus and that he would never deny him, he was reminded that three times he denied him and he was hurt by his own inadequacy and his own shame. But I think the beauty of the whole entire situation is that Jesus is there. Just as he said, Jesus was present. Jesus was intentional. Jesus was talking to Peter. And he was teaching Peter and he was teaching all of us here today, all of humanity, that the way of love is not based on our own power. It's not based on our own declaration to love God or to die for him. But if we are truly to live a life of love and to follow the way of love, we first have to experience love from outside of us. And I think in a very human way, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if you have kids... And if you were a kid ever once, children learn to love, right? They learn to love first by being loved by their parents, by their guardians, by their grandparents, by their family members, by influential people in their life. But we also see, on the other hand, that children that aren't loved, that aren't nurtured in the way of love, they have a hard time loving other people, right? Love comes from outside of us. It comes into our lives, and we learn from it, and we are empowered by it to live a life of love. That's what everyone at the wedding last week was doing. 200 people gathered around, vowing and declaring to pour love into the couple's life so that they could love each other. And you see, that was what the father of the bride spoke about. And not only did he talk about that earthly communal love, which is a reflection of God. He talked about the presence of divine love in their lives. He quoted one of the most quoted verses in the Bible, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world. That's you, that's me, that's humanity, that's all of us. God so much loved us that he gave his one and only son, 
The father of the bride talked about how much the couple needs that sort of sacrificial love in their lives to love each other. And I couldn't agree more. To truly love is to first be truly loved. Love from parents, love from family, but ultimately, most importantly, love from God himself. And that's what's going on with Peter in our gospel text today. Peter needed Jesus' sacrificial love first before he could love sacrificially. Jesus died on the cross for Peter. Peter couldn't die on the cross for himself. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus could save Peter and give him eternal life. And from that love, Jesus didn't give Peter eternal life. He brought Peter back into the family. He brought Peter back into relationship. And he gave Peter a job to do. And Peter became one of the pillars of the New Testament church, and he followed the way of love. He followed the way of love radically. And Jesus said to him, he kept on talking to him. After he asked those questions, he says, very truly, I tell you, Peter, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you were old, Peter, he's predicting his future life. When you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said that to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then Jesus said to Peter, follow me. And that's what Peter did. He followed Jesus. He followed the way of love. He spoke words of love. The very first sermon in Acts is preached by Peter, and thousands come to know. But eventually, as Jesus predicted, Peter was crucified. Crucified like Jesus. When he was old, they led him where he did not want to go, and he stretched out his hands. He followed Jesus. He died for the cause of Jesus, but only, only because Jesus had died for him and loved him first. That's a radical love. Not everyone who follows Jesus is called to martyrdom like Peter. But every one of us in the room, we are called to follow that way of love. We've been talking about it for six weeks. We're closing it up this week, but I hope we continue on and and live that life of love, grow in love, love for each other and for the world and to be the presence of love in the world. And St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, the chapter after the great love chapter, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And in verse 3, he describes this prophecy. And you're thinking prophecy, you're like, I've got to predict the future. Prophecy really is just speaking the truth of God. Not just about the future, but in the present, here and now. He says, the one who prophesies speaks to people. Right? You ever spoken to another person before? All right. You're a prophet. The one who prophesies speaks to people for what? They're strengthening, they're encouraging, and their comfort. The most excellent way of love includes speaking words of strengthening, of edification, of building up, of foundational words for our life. It's speaking words of encouragement and comfort into other people's life. And so I got to admit, last Saturday was very interesting to me. 
Because so many of us at this wedding, 200 people, we were experiencing so many words of strength and encouragement and comfort like St. Paul is talking about, words of love at the wedding. All the good things of life. Surrounded 200 of us in the midst of God's beautiful creation, the most excellent way of love was felt by all of us. But as I was sitting up there and the sun was kind of coming in and you could see the trees and you see all the people gathered around, I was struck by the disparity between what all of us were experiencing in that very moment and what had happened less than 24 hours before in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio in the shootings. And on the one hand, I, I grieved as you have grieved, that so many people were senselessly killed, and especially due to racial motives. I mean, come on. But what we were all experiencing at that wedding in that very moment, it gave me hope. Here's a picture of Noah. Uh, Kimbala, you may have known him. He grew up here, knew his family's in the back, his wife Darlene and, and me. As, when you officiate, you're allowed to do a selfie, that sort of thing. But we were experiencing love and unity and people coming together across culture and language and race following the way of love. We went to bed super late that night after a great party. My wife and I, we did get up and go to church. We went to this small little tiny Lutheran church and there were about 20 people there. That included me and her and the organist, the preacher, the liturgist. And uh, I was like, okay, it's a little different here than St. John's. And I tell you, I heard one of the best sermons I've heard in a long time at this little church. And the pastor was wondering out loud, wondering out loud about those shooters in Texas and Ohio. And he said, what happened in their lives that they chose such a path? It made me think about all this talk about love and all this text here. Did those two young men experience a love that came from outside of them. Could those shootings have been stopped if they had been fed love, had been taken care of with love, had been shepherded with love? The pastor last week wondered about it, wondered if one of God's people could have come into their lives three months before, six months before, two years before, and spoken love into their life acted in love into their life, and maybe changed the direction and the course of their life. I do know that, and I do believe that the antidote to hate in the world, hateful words and hateful actions, the antidote for the long haul and for the big picture, the only antidote that I know about is love. It's radical, sacrificial love. Love that comes to us from God, outside of us, into our lives, and allows us to follow him, allows us to follow the way of love so that we can be the way of love, speak the way of love, act the way of love in this world. St. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, follow the way of love. Speak to people for their strengthening for their encouraging, and for their comfort. Your words, your presence, your love is more powerful than you know. My friends, too many people are being inundated with words of hate, 
It's my prayer that we would inundate the world, that we'd be foolish enough to believe that we could actually make a difference in the world, that all of us here at St. John's could make a difference in our families, in our lives, in our communities, that we could be the presence of love, that we could speak words of love, that we could have actions of love, that we could inundate a world that is desperate for that sort of love, that we could be and speak the presence of strength, encouragement, and comfort. That is the most excellent way.